golden age. I was on my way home after escorting a merchant caravan through Escudo territory when I found her, lying in the bushes by the side of the road, her hair and clothes matted with mud and sweat. She had passed out from exhaustion. To my surprise there was also a fine sword lying sheathed in the ground beside her. At first I thought she was dead, some victim of a fury attack, but upon a closer inspection I found she was still breathing. Squirming away from my touch she weakly tried to run, but only made three or four steps before her legs gave way and she collapsed again. Scooping her up, I carried her to the back of my horse and brought her home with me to the Temple of the Knights of the Word. When I arrived, I handed her care over to the woman of the chapel. Though she was awake, she had not spoken one word to me in the time we had been travelling. She was not deaf or mute, because she seemed to react well enough, but something had shaken her to the core and she seemed afraid of everything, even me. In giving her to the woman, I knew that she would be well seen to, and thought no more of it at the time delivering my reports to the council and returning to my regular routine within the temples. A month passed without me knowing it. Soon the snow was beginning to melt outside and the novices were training in the courtyard by my window. I could hear their practice sword drills from my desk and could see the woman who tended to the laundry collecting water from the well there. It was a day in late July when the ruckus kicked off. Straining to see down, I was unsurprised to see one of the students laying face down in the dirt. Standing over him, however, was not the opponent I had expected. The girl, wooden training sword in hand, was standing with a foot to the youth's chest, the tip of the bark to his throat. Surprised, I went to find out who had set these strange things into motion. As it transpired, she had been collecting water with a group of other girls when the group of students had decided to call a break in order to flirt. This one had taken offence that she hadn't replied when he asked her her name, oblivious to the fact that nobody had heard her talk. When he grabbed her arm, she had snatched a training sword from one of the other boys and thoroughly trounced him, as well as his three friends who had tried to come to his rescue. When I appeared, she did not release the wooden blade, simply lowering it slightly as if preparing for another attack. Three other teachers had also come running out into the courtyard, one of whom had witnessed the entire event. We conferred for a moment before agreeing on a course of action, and I waved for her to follow me before returning to my chamber. Once there, I took out the sword that I found along with her on the road that day, and laid it on my desk where she could see it. Do you want this? I asked her, and she nodded once for yes. Then you will need to earn it, I replied. I took a quill from the ink jar. I will enrol you into this institution, and you will take her classes. Be aware that you are the only woman ever to be offered this position. When you have graduated as a Knight of the Word, you will be able to trade that wooden stick back for this sword. Until that time, I will keep it here safe for you. Do you understand? She nodded again, and this time I saw a hint of desire in her eyes as they took in the blue steel blade on the desktop. Of course, I will need a name if I am to enrol you, I asked her. And she looked at me without blinking. My name is Mia, she spoke in a strong, unforgiving voice. Mia Akujo.
You've been listening to the voice talents of Paul Gobbold and Matthew Sankster as the narrator. Golden Age was written and directed by Ben Warren, conceived by Louise Miller, Lauren Curtis, Ben Warren and Jamie Davison. The script was edited by Rolf Page and the show was produced by Cascade Studios. The music was by Sam Dillard and the show was recorded by James Bateman. For more, visit www.cascadestudios.co.uk.